if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Hour number two underway now, 10 minutes past 10 o'clock. Thanks for being with us on this Free For All Friday. Appreciate you joining us. It's the 21st morning of the eighth month of the year of our Lord 2020. Congratulations to all uh, Ohio high schools that are going to be holding football scrimmages tonight and tomorrow, three days after the green light from the governor that contact sports can go forward. I cannot tell you how excited I am and appreciative I am of the opportunity for our young kids. And I cannot tell you how disgusted and sad that I am that I have to express appreciation for kids being allowed to have freedom, or at least some limited sense of it in the midst of this extraordinary, tyrannical response to COVID-19 in the state of Ohio. All right, but that's a story for another day. What I want to talk about now is what the Democrats would not talk about for four straight days of the Democratic Virtual National Convention. Uh, for four straight days, they ignored the fact that America is burning. For four straight days, they ignored the fact that violence is up by double digits in almost all major American cities. And in about a dozen of them, violence and arson and vandalism and uh, random assaults that aren't quite so random because they usually are racially motivated, that these things are going on. And the Democrats, not only did they not offer solutions, they wouldn't acknowledge the existence. Joining us now is somebody who has acknowledged that existence. Professor Jason D. Hill is a professor of philosophy at DePaul University in Chicago. Uh, he is also the author of his latest book, We Have Overcome, an Immigrant's Letter to the American People. Professor Hill, good to have you on the program once again here in Cleveland. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm doing well. Thanks, Bob, for having me again. Pleasure to have you. Um, wow, so much to, to get into. I want to talk specifically about Chicago, but I think when we talk about Chicago, we can talk about you know Seattle and Portland and Oakland and, and Atlanta and so many of the other places where we have seen similar things happen. Cleveland, I'll tell you, right here in Northeast Ohio. Um, but before we get into the specifics of the terrorism, urban terrorism being carried out on, on the streets of all these cities, can you give me your general overview, your response or reaction to what your takeaway is from four nights of what I thought was anti-American propaganda on behalf of the Democrat Party? Your thoughts? Well, I think what you're seeing is, you know, uh, an, a wholesale denial of what I have called and I have been calling since I wrote the President Trump two years ago in an open letter that went viral, what I call systemic nihilism. <clears throat> 
that is running rampant in our cities in this country. We are uh, being overrun by a bunch of what I call feral thugs, feral gangs. And the far left, and the not too far left, the Democratic Party, these cities are predominantly from Baltimore to Chicago, are run under the auspices and the governance of uh, Democratic parties who are right now defunding to city councils, defunding and dismantling uh, the police force, when the majority of blacks in those neighborhoods who are good people do not want the police defunded. And I think it's it's a shame, um, whatever one thinks of Trump, I speak of an independent conservative here, um, it's, it's, it's a shame that black-on-black crime and the kind of thuggery and kind of and morality and the state of nature to which these great American cities have been reduced have not been addressed at, uh, at the convention. I think it's disgraceful um, because we have innocent children that are being gunned down bombs. I live in Chicago, and on a daily basis, we've got 8-year-olds and 12-year-olds who are being slaughtered by these grunting, smiling, feral creatures who call themselves human mm-hmm. beings. And it's time for leadership on the left to stand up. White people are not, police officers and white people are not going into these neighborhoods and killing black people, right? And this is, a, this, this is something that haunts the air like a dark crime that nobody wants to address. If you address it, you get called a racist. Well, you're right. They can't call me racist because I'm black. Well, if yeah, but then you get called an Uncle Tom or a coon or something other derogatory name for an African American who actually believes in law and order and believes in some conservative principles. You describe yourself, Professor, as an independent conservative, and that's uh, that's just as poisonous as being a you know a white uh, Republican uh, to those on the <laughs> on the far left. Um, right. Let's let's talk about Chicago. Um, I, I read your article for Front Page Magazine, and I encourage everyone to read this. Uh, and you do talk about what you just mentioned, your letter to President Trump and your letter prior to that to President Obama to come in and do something with federal uh, troops, if need be, about the violence in Chicago that is taking the lives of so many people, the overwhelming majority of them black, because it's almost always black on black crime in this uh, shooting gallery that is Chicago. Um before the president, though, can do anything, it should be up to the local leadership. Um, you mentioned Democratic leadership, which I think is an oxymoron. I don't think those two things uh, can exist side by side. Democrats are not leaders. And Lori Lightfoot, the, the most, you know, the current mayor, um, but the most recent of a bunch of mayors who have ignored the violence, is particularly um, uh, terrible in my mind for her hypocrisy. You recall during the COVID shutdowns, uh, the salons were closed. Nobody could get haircuts, but she went and got one and said, well, I'm the face of Chicago and I've got to look good when I'm on TV. And so I have a right to that. Well, the city is burning on a regular basis. Bullets are flying on a regular basis in that city. She has done nothing until it showed up on her block. And now she has issued a ban on protesters on her block because she has a right to make sure that her home is secure because she's the mayor. So this is the, if this is the kind of leadership, Professor Hill, um, that, that they have in Chicago where there are separate rules for me than there are for thee, um, I don't think there's any chance that there's going to be safety. Oh, Bob, it's worse than that. She's a, she's a, first of all, she's, a, she's, a, she's guilty of dereliction of duty, as is Pritzker, the governor of Chicago. 
You know, I will tell you a story that really, really struck me, and it's racial in overtone. The day of the riot, or the weekend of the riot, she was nowhere to be seen. She should have been downtown with her bullhorn uh, in the midst of the rioters, telling them, along with police force, to stop it. The day after the riot, a bunch of innocent white college students gathered on a beach, wanted to have a little fun in the lake, not that many. She got in her SUV, and she got her bullhorn, as she usually does, and she's telling these little white kids to go home, you're disgraced, and she's bellowing at them. And the rest of us in Chicago, we're appalled, black and white, we're saying, where was she the night they were looting stores, burning down Ralph Lauren, Jimmy Choo, all the designer stores, the Magnificent Mile was turned into mayhem. Where was she on that night? She was ensconced in her lovely home, but a bunch of kids decide to just go on the beach and have a little fun, and she's out there. The moral hypocrisy of this woman and the moral hypocrisy of the leadership in general is so appalling. So these looters and these vandalists have free reign to destroy this beautiful city while she, she does nothing, to say nothing of spreading COVID, right? But a bunch of, 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 of predominantly white kids, students, decide to take a little summer splash, spread out, and she decides to make a public spectacle and morally shame them. Now, where is the moral hypocrisy in all of this? This is, this is, this is the sort of thing that incenses the rest of us about not just her, but the kind of leadership that is taking place or the, the absence of leadership, one should say. Right. Because this has been going on, obviously, for many years. Um, and in recent years, I mean, I tell people all the time about the website you're probably familiar with called HeyJackass.com, which um, yeah. charts all of the statistics, all of the violent crimes, assaults, uh, um, deaths, uh, whether by shooting and so on and so forth. I mean, Chicago is just an absolute um, war zone, I think is a better way to say it. It's like a war zone. And there has been no leadership coming from the locals. But now let's let's go macro here, Professor Hill. We're talking to Professor Jason D. Hill from DePaul University in Chicago. Um, on a bigger picture, Chicago is being mirrored and, in fact, surpassed at the moment by some 80 straight nights of violence and assaulting and property damage, et cetera, in Portland. It's going on in Seattle. It's going on in places like Oakland and in uh, in uh, New York City, uh, where they have double-digit increases in shootings. This is happening in every city, every large, or every, let me rephrase, every large urban center that is, is experiencing this extraordinary violence right now are Democrat-led. There are no red-led cities in mayors or city halls that uh, that are experiencing this right now, which means it's going on with the approval of the Democrat Party in each of those cities. Is that why? Is that why we just saw four four nights of complete um, ignorance of this? They ignored all of this going on. They didn't just. They didn't just not condemn it, Professor. They didn't. They pretended it wasn't really even happening. It wasn't something to be addressed uh, as far as their platform during their convention. Well, this is something that, you know, this is a kind of false narrative that they have uh, imposed on the rest of society. And they're not. I can tell you they're, they're, they're aligned with Black Lives Matter, which is a mysterious, pernicious group that pretends to speak in the name of some of these poor, the majority of these poor urban blacks who are trying to build communities whom Black Lives Matter and these feral thugs have made communities obsolete. This is an elite bourgeois bunch of 
uh, individuals who have taken themselves to be speaking on behalf of the majority of black people who do not want the police to be funded. You hear on the news all the time these black people saying who live in these neighborhoods who don't want the police to be funded. We want police officers paid higher wages. Some of them say we want more jails built to put these, these criminals in jail. But that's not the narrative that you heard, that you hear being espoused by these, these leaders, right? So it, 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 it creates a false impression, I think, in the minds of most Americans who think that the majority of black Americans living in these decrepit cities uh, uh, or townships really are on place, uh, on the side of Black Lives Matter and these democratic leaders when that's really not the case. I mean, so I think, again, it's a dereliction of duty on the part of these, uh, I don't know, if I use the word leaders and you said they're not leaders. I think they're right. Yeah. And it's got to stop. I mean, these people don't really have a voice, but, you know, maybe, maybe they will, maybe they will hear their voice in a different venue. Well, um, dereliction of duty, Professor, is a great description. Um, and I would also point out just how false their narrative is in terms of, for example, Black Lives Matter, because Black Lives Matter has an outsized presence in the national spotlight right now and in, in all of the professional sporting realms. Everybody wearing shirts that say Black Lives Matter. It's painted on the NBA floors, etc. When you consider the fact that 81% of black people polled in a massive Gallup survey two weeks ago said we disagree with their calls to defund and abolish police. We want the same or more police presence in our neighborhoods. So Black Lives exactly. Matter doesn't even truly reflect black America's point of view. And yet they have this exactly. outsized influence, which is terrible. I apologize uh, because we got music exactly. playing and we've got to run here. But Professor Hill, uh, I thank you so much for coming on. I want to remind people to read your article in front page. Uh, frontpage.com, Professor Jason D. Hill at DePaul University, and get his book, We Have Overcome, an Immigrant's Letter to the American People. Professor, thank you. Thank you, Bob. I'll talk to you again soon, sir. It's 1023, so we're a little late getting out. We'll come back after this, AM 1420 DS. Okay, 1027. The Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer, thanks to Professor Jason Hill. I tweeted, if you follow me on Twitter, uh, I hate Twitter, but I do use it when I need to. And I just tweeted his article on Front Page Magazine about urban terrorism and how it is being, and this is the sad reality, it is being, it is being endured and accepted and in many cases supported on the streets of America's biggest cities. Urban terrorism is a thing it's real and it's being endured by all of us it is being accepted by some of us and is being promoted by many of us tj in cleveland on am 1420 the answer wants to talk about that democratic national convention so glad to see this thing come to an end hey tj go ahead hey bob you know i was watching that a little bit and then i couldn't take it so i turned the station on me tv and started watching old reruns of green acres and it dawned on me these morons in that town of Hooterville, they really weren't much different than, like I said, these Democrats I heard speaking, you know, and giving their speeches. The same, same kind of nonsense. But, you know, that woman that called, that Abby, I'm going to tell you, Bob, that's a libtard seminar caller that called. And I would keep people like that on the phone for only one reason, that old saying. It's better to appear stupid than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. 
you know, she's uh, knocking you for uh, making fun of Biden, yet then she's sitting there making fun of the Catholic Church and stuff. But keep people like that on there and let them talk, Bob. That's the best thing. Let people see what's, you know, in their head. Yeah, and you're probably right. That's probably who she was and what her agenda was. But because she called and was very specific to our call screener, said she wanted to talk about Joe Biden. And then she got on. I forgot what I wanted to say about Biden. So I'm going to talk about the Catholic Church and not believing in God and how I want it. You know, but um, some people like that don't. Excuse me. Some people like that, TJ. While it is good sometimes to hear their stupidity flow, uh, they they take up very valuable minutes uh, in a program that I don't want to devote to stupidity, and I want to devote to actually intelligent callers like you. So, uh, but I do know what you mean. It is good to hear from them time to time. Uh, but they have to have some. Co- Here's the thing: if she comes in with a coherent thought of criticism, criticizing the church, criticizing the church, criticizing me, criticizing Trump, or whatever. I would probably engage longer, but when you bebop around like you have no earthly idea what you want to say, then I'm not going to be able to take that. And, you know, she sounded like an older gal in her voice, and, you know, she don't believe in God, and I suspect probably pretty soon she's going to meet him. She might be a little bit surprised. <laughs> You know, well, I, I, I don't want to wish future. that upon Yeah, no, I got you, TJ. Thanks for the call. I, I don't want to wish that on anybody. And if she is an older lady, I wish her many, 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 many more years of, of health. Um, but, yeah, it was an odd call. Let's just leave it at that. All right, it's 1030. We're going to get news now. Uh, if you're on hold, stay there. I'm coming to you as quickly as I can, and I have been informed. We are also going to talk with our friend Rob Walgate from the American Policy Roundtable and the Ohio Roundtable coming up. He's got some thoughts uh, in reaction to the DNC, just like I want your reactions to the Democrat National Convention, which thankfully is now over. When we continue on AM 1420, The Answer. Progressive Democrats, please be aware you have now entered the place where political correctness goes to die. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, sir. Now now it is uh, 1035. I've got 25 minutes of outstanding awesome left for you in this broadcast. I'm going to get a quick call in here before we uh, get our guest Rob Walgate onto the program from our Medina County friend and neighbor. Her name is Lisa Woods. Hey, Lisa, how are you? Hey, good morning. I am well. You're our friend and neighbor from Medina County, right? <laughs> I am. I yes, am. And are. we have, we're surrounded by them. And thank God, thank God uh, we have our neighbors and folks get to know each other. Amen. So what's going on tomorrow morning? So we will have a meeting tomorrow at the Copper Shop um, until we get these uh, health issues uh, out of the way. Um, we do have to wear a mask into the building, but once we sit down and have a drink, it's uh, not a problem. And I just hate that, but that's one of the things that we got to do to be able to maintain having a meeting at the Copper Top. But tomorrow we're going to discuss, um, well, quite a few things, but I think we're going to narrow it down uh, to the racism issues. Because not only do we see this on the State Board of Education, but also now in communities. And what do these declarations of racism really mean? You mean so the we'll declarations have few... of race, racism as a public health emergency, that sort of thing? Yeah. 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 It, it's, it's like a stepping stone. And uh, we're, we're going to kind of zero in on that and, and look at what, what that really does to the communities. It's only a first step. <laughs> of a very big movement. 
Well, and what it does not only to the communities, uh, um, seriously, Lisa, but also what it does to the future, especially when you have stories like I have in front of me where kindergartners are going to be taught about the danger of white supremacy. Kindergartners who don't even see color, for goodness sakes, uh, at that young age, are going to be, this is in Pennsylvania, school district, they're mandating white supremacy lessons for kindergartners. And then you take it, to, it's the gamut of education, and I know this speaks to you, because you are on the Ohio Board of Education, the gamut from kindergarten to higher education. The story that I have right next to that story on my stack here is Iowa State University professors warning that anti-BLM, which is Black Lives Matter Marxism, and pro-life views are grounds for dismissal from his course. You cannot be pro-life and express it. You cannot be opposed to the Marxist Black Lives Matter organization and express it, or you will be removed from his course. So at all levels of education, these issues about race and racism and uh, white supremacy and all kinds of other phony things uh, going on, uh, uh, Lisa, are, are endangering these, children's, uh, these children uh, and uh, their futures. It sure is, and it, it, it's just ultimate bullying on a government level. It's coming yeah. down, from, and, and we're going to see, uh, continue to see more bad things come from this if we don't get a handle on it. People need to understand what it is. Of course we want to condemn racism. It's evil. It's, it's wrong. But what these do is something else. It's well, not you know, and, and uh, I'll take it's this. a guy's. I'll take this to the the next level here because I got to get on and get to my uh, my guest here, Lisa. But here's the next level: the teachers don't want you to know what they are filling their kids' heads with. My third story that I would, if if I have time today to get to, is Tennessee. A school district in Tennessee, Lisa, you'll love this as a member of the Board of Education. A school district in Tennessee is asking parents to sign a form agreeing not to monitor their children's virtual classrooms. They don't they they are making parents promise to not look over their kids' shoulders and see what they are being taught on their virtual classrooms. So you think about that. It's amazing. You can't make this stuff up. So no, I, I would like to, to invite I'd love to invite everyone to come have that conversation with us tomorrow morning at the Copper Top. We start uh, at 8.30 and end at 10. And uh, afterwards, we head out to Gandalf's and have uh, uh, drinks and lunch as well. So I just want to invite people to come out and let's talk about what's going on. There's actually, they're going to vote on on one of these um, uh, declarations of racism as a public uh, health issue in Medina on Monday. And I think very few people... People know about it. They're just sneaking these in. It's time to be educated. Yeah, it's time to be educated about it. Lisa, thank you. Always appreciate hearing from me. Have a great meeting tomorrow. You're welcome. All right, there you go. That's Lisa Woods from Medina County Friends and Neighbors. And now I do have Rob Walgate on the line, as promised. Rob Walgate with the Ohio Roundtable, the American Policy Roundtable, and the Public Square Broadcast (laughs) Network. Robert, good to have you back. How are you? Good, Good, sir. I'm doing well. How are you? Thanks for having me, Bob. I'm great, Rob. I'll, I'll say to you in, in, uh, in a greeting the same thing I said when I greeted the audience today. It's a glorious day because the DNC is over. I have to tell you, I, I, I look with great trepidation every four years at the week of DNC, the DNC, um, because I know I'm in for four days of lies. I know I'm in for four nights on national television of anti-American propaganda. Uh, and I got it. It did not disappoint these entire four days. 
Um, and so I woke up today knowing that it's over, that it's over, and I don't have to see that again tonight. So to me, Rob, when you ask me how I'm doing, I'm doing terrific because it's gone. <laughs> Understood. Understood. Well, me watching last night, I, I was wondering, <clears throat> does Vice President Biden understand that he has been in service, public service, for roughly five decades? Yeah. Everything he's talked about, he's had the opportunity to fix and address. And I look back even as much as in the past 12 years, eight of those years was an Obama-Biden administration. Did they get zero done of what they intended to do or were they just that bad during the process? Because if we remember correctly, the first two years, not only did he have the House, he had the Senate as well. He had 60 votes. Obviously, that's why he could get Obamacare. Yet nothing else was done. My question is why? Well, I might take issue with that. A lot of things were done. Um, terrible uh, international accords were signed. Um, hostages were paid for. Uh, we released uh, we released um, uh, uh, five high value Taliban detainees uh, in exchange for an American trader. Um, we entered into a horrible climate change agreement. Uh, we went, entered into that yeah, terrible, uh, no. J, uh, the JCPOA. I mean, on, yeah. on and on and on we go. A lot of actually things are done, yeah. Rob. Well, it's just no, that none there, of them are good. <laughs> there, were, there were a lot of bad policy decisions done. My point being is the things that are being talked about today, I know. the things that they want to get done with gun control, with climate change, all these other things, they had the opportunity to do it, but when they, they didn't do it, because they knew it wasn't the right thing long-term. When I hear Vice President Biden talk about, he compared us last night to Europe, and he talked about Canada. The United States of America is the greatest country in the world. We're not a perfect country, but we're the greatest. There's a reason that people every year die trying to get into this country. They want to be here because of the freedoms they're afforded. And when I hear Vice President Biden talk, I'm reminded of freedoms they want to rip away from people the things they want to take away the one thing he did mention last night bob they talked about light and darkness and i i I hope he continues to have the conversation of where light comes from because darkness is just the absence of light but if they want to know where light comes from we know that light comes from the creator i'll be anxious to hear if, if the biden administration if there was to be one would be fully willing to embrace and recognize that because the policies that they stand behind, the policies they support don't seem like they have a lot of light to them, like they're spreading that light. Light doesn't come from a political party. Light doesn't come from an elected official. Well, I, I don't uh, I don't know that they necessarily believe there is a creator. Did they not uh, omit under God from the Pledge of Allegiance before their the opening of their convention each of these nights? Because that's what I have been told. I didn't listen to it personally, but I've seen it in several places that they... They kept under God out of the Pledge of Allegiance. Do you know if that's true? No, I'm not 100% sure. I know it was mentioned. I know they mentioned some scripture last night in the beginning. Um, It was a little shocking to me that they went down that route. But it can't be just on the surface. It has to be backed up by policy. It has to be backed up by recognition. And we need that to happen for the discussion. Again, where does light come from? And we need to shine a light on everything. The United States of America, as I said, is not perfect, but we're the best. We need to strive to do better. But the thought of the things happening around the country, um, when you, you know, you've mentioned multiple times the protests, the things that go on, Mayor Lightfoot, the things that have been said there, I think there needs to be accountability 
and the Democrats could have had the opportunity to recognize that and to condemn it. And I think they would have got more votes, number one. Number two, I still think the Democrat Party doesn't understand that this is a board game, that to win the White House, you have to win the Electoral College, that you have to win all across the country. It's not a national popular vote for good reason. People don't want California deciding the presidential election every four years. But by picking Kamala Harris, by having Joe Biden, by picking these people that make the coast happy, I think they're leaving out the Midwest. And I think uh, some of the other eastern part, when you look at Florida, when you look at Pennsylvania, and then the Midwest and Michigan, I'm not sure they can pull votes there to put Joe Biden over the top. Well, when you've got a, a policy, a unity platform that bans fracking, for crying out loud, it's not going to be a really uh, helpful to you in winning places like Pennsylvania and winning places like West Virginia and winning other states that may be purple, depending on year to year. Um, Rob, I want to talk about the economy. I talked with my last guest about the violence in the inner cities, and you just referenced it, and the fact that they ignored it. Not only, I mean, all right, real quick, one sentence from you on this then, Rob. How could they not stand at their respective podiums in this virtual convention? How can they not have had at least one of them, whether it's Barack or Hillary or Michelle Obama or Kamala or uh, 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 Elizabeth Warren or Joe Biden himself, why couldn't they stand there with the entire eyes of the nation upon them and say, to all of those committing violence in America's cities, we call for an end to that now. If you're on your way out, because these are late at night, if you're on your way out to quote-unquote protest, and that means start more fights and attack police with fireworks and with, uh, and with bottles and rocks and so on and so forth, go home. This ends now. This is not how we get things done. Rob, they didn't even acknowledge it was going on, let alone call for an end to it going on. I think they doubled down on it. Yeah. I think by, by President Obama referring to them as peaceful protesters, and that's when the the feds come in and, and started the problems with the peaceful protesters. Not only did they not call for an end to it, they doubled down on their essence, encouraging it, in my opinion, by their actions and their attitude. And that's disgraceful because who gets hurt in that? Those same communities that they take a stand and say they represent are the ones that get torn apart. That's what's happening all over you're, this you're country. Right. You're in right. those urban and, areas. And that's a reason as well, Bob. Those kids aren't in school. That's a reason as well. I would be an advocate for school choice, for money to follow the child, that parents that really care in those communities should have the option to take their children out of the public schools in those communities and send them to a private school that would take that voucher. That should be happening all over the country right now. I totally agree with that, Ron. Um, and I have so much more I could ask you about that. But I want to ask about the economy because the one thing <clears> – <throat> that I hear from the Biden campaign and from this entire convention as far as their prescription for improving the economy is the ridiculous slogan, Build Back Better. Um, I think that's what it is, Build Back Better. Okay. Uh, the only thing that I've heard as a way of building back better is, is we're going to raise the living heck out of all your taxes. That's what I heard. Um, if he had a way to build back better the economy, Rob, don't you think it would have been incumbent upon him to whisper into the ear of the president for eight years that presided over such a weak economy and such a weak rebound from the recession of, of late 2008, early 2009? I feel like if he had a real prescription to grow the economy and he kept it to himself and didn't tell Barack Obama, then I think he, uh, he has disqualified himself from being the president of the United States. Well, I think it's just a slogan. 
and I think that he's not sure what he's going to do. I think I'm not sure they know what the plan is. And the reason for that when it comes to the economy, Bob, is they're going to have major cities across the country crumbling when it comes to tax revenue. Think of all the people that you and I know across the country, that all the listeners know across the country, that aren't going to those urban areas to go into their office buildings. They haven't been for the last eight months. If they haven't been going there physically because they're not permitted, how are they going to be how are you going to force them to pay income tax in a city that they're not permitted to step foot in? You can't, right? Legally you can't. The budgets of major cities around this country are about to collapse and it's gonna then go to states and they're gonna be looking for federal bailout. The economy is gonna be in trouble. And I'm not sure Joe Biden has a plan. And this is something that I don't know if they've even thought about, because I my guess is with the tax philosophy that Biden and his administration would have, they would just say, well, just tax everyone more in the suburbs then to get the state and the federal budget higher. I'm not sure he has a plan when it comes to the economy no, I, other I, than I, reaching into pockets. I concur. And and again, when it comes to job creation, you know, uh, we lost president. I mean, uh, Vice President uh, Pence brought this up on CBS we lost 22 million jobs nationally uh, during the pandemic and the shutdowns that followed. Um, we have already regained 9 million of those 22 million lost jobs, and the pandemic is still going on. Even while it's still going on, even while some states are still in lockdown and very, very restricted, the economy continues to surge ahead. Um, the faith that investors have in the economy surging ahead is extraordinary. If you look at the way the stock market is continuing to boom, records with the S&P and obviously people's 401ks getting massive boosts right now. And this is all because of the foundation that Donald Trump laid that had us with record low unemployment, you know, 50, 60, 70 year record low overall, all time lows when it came to demographics black, Latino, et cetera, et cetera. So he laid such a great foundation for a great economy, and Joe Biden thinks that he's just going to raise taxes on everybody, and that's somehow going to improve things. Um, I cannot imagine how the American people, as they decide who they want to vote for uh, in, in November, would not say, hey, look, the guy that's running it right now has put us in great position. Let's leave that alone. Well, Americans are going to have a decision to make, and they're going to have a decision to make the United States Senate and a number of states as well, and everyone the United States House member. And I think they're going to get the opportunity to see Joe Biden and Donald Trump go one-on-one three times, with that first one being in Cleveland. And I think that's going to be a telling tale. Um, I think the gloves are going to come off. Both sides of the gloves are going to come off. And people are going to get to see the differences. Because right now, Bob, I'm not sure there's someone that would ever switch their vote. I think most people are saying, well, I'm going to vote for Joe Biden or I'm going to vote for Donald Trump. But there's plenty of people out there that are saying, I'm not going to vote for either of them. I think it's an opportunity for both candidates to win a vote from someone who doesn't like either candidate, but someone can take a stance. And I think when you talk about taxes, when you talk about the economy, the things you just brought up, that's a chance for Donald Trump to differentiate himself once again for the people that are sitting back saying, I'm not sure if I can vote for him. I feel like that low bar that we have seen everybody, you know, uh, when it comes to evaluating his speech last night, hey, he read from the teleprompter clearly yeah. and didn't stumble. That low bar is going to exist in the debates, too. If he doesn't spike himself, then they're going to say he won right. simply because nobody expects him to do well. And that's something that President Trump has to be aware of, too. Well, Ro- and I think, I, I think the president will challenge him there. I do. 
I hope he does. I hope he does face to face. I hope he challenges him on his uh, cognitive ability and uh, his decline and other things because uh, and that's the thing you do with Joe Biden. You rattle him, and that's when he starts tripping, and that's when he starts getting mad. You the lying dog faced pony soldier. Come on, man. What are you on crack? Are you are you are you a junkie? You know, I mean, you do. You get under his skin and watch him flip his blank, and uh, and that's uh, that's something the president's going to have to try to do. Rob Allgate, American Policy Roundtable, Ohio Roundtable. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. Hey, thank you. Final segment coming up on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 1056. It's a Friday in mid to late August. There's a great thing happening tonight. High school football is happening tonight. Scrimmages are allowed starting tonight thanks to the governor's order earlier this week. And again, I feel like a schmuck having to say thank you for something that should be inherently, uh, you know, an inherent right to everybody. And that is the freedom to participate in these games. But we all know what we have been up against. Um, so I want to say this to all of those teams having scrimmages tonight. Be safe. Be smart. Practice all of the right guidelines. The spies are out there. Just so you know, the governor is paying and using your tax dollars and mine to send spies out to teams, locker rooms, sidelines, making sure teams are social distancing, making sure people are wearing masks when they're not on the field to play, and they're going to report back to the governor who's listening and who isn't. And that can impact whether or not we have football next Friday night or the Friday night after that, and on and on we go. So I just want to say... Do it right tonight, and please, let's make sure that we can continue and have this season that these kids deserve. Uh, a couple of phone calls to wrap it. Donnie in Euclid, AM 1420, The Answer. Hey, Donnie, go ahead. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. Wonder will they be, wonder will they be wearing black shirts or brown shirts? <laughs> no, they're going to disguise themselves, my friend. They're not going to make it obvious. They truly are but, spying. Uh, and, uh, one, and, and on another note of that, I uh, I I stopped watching the NBA, but after the way they screwed the Cavaliers for the second straight year, the NBA is dead to me. Well, I stopped watching the NBA, and I stopped watching Major League Baseball. Uh, and I hate to say that because I've been a sports fan for my entire life, and I got my career started in sports radio. Uh, and I've worked on, I've worked on major television or uh, radio networks for, for sports teams, but I have not watched a dribble of the NBA since they started up with Black Lives Matter on the floor. And I have not watched any baseball either since they put BLM on the pitcher's mounds and on the outfield walls and everywhere else. I will not support leagues that support the destruction of the United States by professional Marxists. But on, but on, on a, on a, on a, uh, on a uh, political note, I um I'm sorry, but Bob, you have you're a better man than me. If you watched any of that 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 uh mess this uh, this past week, oh, and that's I, painful. Yeah, I could I couldn't I couldn't do it. And and what was worse was both of the Obamas with their with their lies, and then uh, J- Joe Biden with his with his uh, light versus darkness feel. Oh, and, I know, uh, brother. I know. And hey, it, listen, I'm going to tell you something. I, there's a re- thank you for the call. I got to run here, Donnie, because I'm up against the end of the show. Here's here's the thing. I know you hate watching it. That's why I do that dirty work for you. I watch as much as uh, of it as I can stomach, so that we have something to talk about together the next day. So I got your back. I'll watch the bad stuff for you. Uh, thanks to everybody for a great week of radio. Thanks to Khalid Namar for sitting in yesterday. Have a safe and free weekend. We'll see you Monday. Bye bye.